This podcast is made possible by OneStream Software and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Frank Cole, CFO of SkyTap, and you are listening to CFO Thought Leader. This is episode 417. The role you play has a lot to do with your mindset not necessarily the specific job that you're in. One way to approach it is to get your job done, to do the mechanics well, to deliver things on time, to make sure people have the information they need when they need it. And I think that's, that's a way that you can approach the job and you'll, and you'll do well at that. But I think in this day and age when more and more finance is being looked at to add value and bring leadership to the business, if you have that mindset of how can I make the business better? And the business, you know, the intellectual curiosity to understand the business, build relationships with people around you, and add value, you can take those skill sets and that task you're doing and you can create a lot more of it. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On this episode, we speak to CFO Paul Oldham of Advanced Energy of Fort Collins, Colorado. Only 90 days in to his latest CFO tour of duty, Paul explains how he is now rolling up his sleeves and tasking his team with helping the half a billion dollar company achieve new levels of visibility and widen the firm's growth trajectory. Our discussion begins after these words from our sponsor. When it comes to supporting effective decision-making, finance and IT leaders are facing an unprecedented challenge amidst increasing business complexity, exploding data volumes, and market volatility. OneStream software reduces the complexity of financial operations by unleashing the power of finance with a unified platform for planning, financial close and consolidation, reporting, and analytics. OneStream helps finance leaders empower the enterprise with financial and operational insights to support faster and more informed decision-making, all in a platform designed to continually evolve and scale with your organization. To learn more, visit onestreamsoftware.com. Hello, we're speaking to Paul Oldham, CFO of Advanced Energy, a designer and manufacturer of precision measurement and control solutions to advance power generation. Prior to Advanced Energy, he was the CFO of Electro Scientific Industries. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Great to have you with us. And Paul, as you may well know, we always like to begin with our uh, faithful question of asking you to first look back and, and think a little bit about what were those career experiences that uh, you feel helped prepare you for the role you play today? 
Thanks. Well, I guess for me, Jack, it really began at the beginning uh, when I was thinking about what I was interested in and where I would where I would focus my studies. And at the time, I was always interested in going into business. But when I went to school, I thought the best education I could get for that was to get an accounting degree. So I went to a top-tier accounting school and focused on accounting. But I only did that as a stepping stone to ultimately get my MBA and focus more on finance. In fact, it was interesting when I graduated from accounting, uh, I didn't interview with any of the big accounting firms, the big eight at the time, which caused my professors to have some consternation. But on the other hand, I really viewed accounting as the language of business and what my real passion and interest was in, in participating and engaging in helping businesses be better and bringing a skill set to that that would allow me to understand how the business was performing and what the uh, drivers and opportunities would be. And so that was probably the, the first thing uh, that influenced my, my career is just that choice to uh, get a strong uh, accounting degree where I had some skill set to rely on, but quickly moved into applying that into much more of a, of a business uh, focus. Um, after I graduated uh, with my MBA, um, I went to work for a, an electronics company. Um, and I guess the next milestone for me came about uh, four and a half to five years after I started when I was named a group controller for what was then the largest division of this company. Frankly, I was pretty surprised because when I looked around at my peers at the time, I was junior to all of them. Uh, but I got a chance to work for a guy named Rick Hill, who is very well known in Silicon Valley and later became the CEO of Novellus. And I learned a lot from him, and I had to mature quickly to uh, both uh, participate actively in the business as well as to work with a bunch of people who had just been my peers and were almost all more senior to me. And, you know, I think in your career, you need a couple of things to be successful. Obviously, you need to have a lot of aspiration. Uh, you need to um, be able to have good results, but you also need to have a little luck about being in the right place at the right time. And I'm fortunate that, that I was in that place and that somebody gave me a chance to uh, to do a job that was bigger than I was at the time and, and gave me a chance to learn and grow. Um, and I guess probably the next experience I look at that's really prepared me for where I am now is my experience uh, at ESI. When I joined ESI, it was a strong company. Uh, number one in its market, and uh, and positioned to grow. But that was at the beginning of 2008, just before the finance crisis uh, hit. And that, of course, affected all technology companies, in fact, many companies globally because of the nature of that downturn. But for ESI, it was particularly impactful because it sort of hastened the end of uh, of one of our major products. In fact, after that downturn, because of consolidation in the industry and some changes in technology, we lost 70% of our revenue and all of our profits and uh, effectively had to re reinvent the company. It was almost like having a startup inside the structure of a 70-year-old company, and we went from an environment of thrive almost to survive. And, you know, full business transformations are hard, and they take a holistic effort. But, you know, during this time... When I got to do a lot of things, it reminded me about a Jack Welch quote that I, that I really liked and has influenced me in my career. He said, when I look back at my career, if there was one thing that I regret, it is that I did not see reality more clearly. 
There's been a lot of wishing, hoping, and temporizing. And when I did see reality, I wish I'd acted on it more quickly. And you know, as a finance professional, I think this is one of the most important values that value adds that we can make is to be able to see reality, not see things as we would like them to be or hope them to be. Um, and then when we when we have a view of that, that we're able to act on it. And I think, especially during my years at ESI, it required us taking a hard look at our business and our markets and how we needed to change as a company. And that was a, that was a challenge, but ultimately we were able to overcome that. After a couple of tries, and today the company is again thriving, um, growing, generating cash, and has operating margins uh, greater than 30% the last several quarters. So, you know, that was a great experience and allowed me to learn how to deal with different business situations, change management, and, and I think, again, be able to demonstrate the, you know, the role of a finance leader in an organization. Do you think you could have taken an alternate path along the way, or was it the CFO office was always, it seems to me from just the way you explained it, the CFO office was always sort of the ultimate uh, destination for you, or no? For me, the CFO office or something akin to that was always the destination. I always have had a lot of interest uh, in in the business, uh, in what makes a business run, and being able to participate in helping that business be better. Now, there's a lot of roles that you can do that in, and you bring different levels of expertise to that uh, role. But for me, it was always the uh, uh, you know the opportunity to participate uh, at a at a senior level to help influence the business. You know, it's interesting because I do think that um, that the role you play has a lot to do with your mindset, not necessarily the specific job that you're in. So, for example, I think you can approach you know many different uh, finance roles. Um, one way to approach it is to get your job done, to do the mechanics well, to deliver things on time, um, to make sure people have the information they need when they need it. And I think that's that's a way that you can approach the job and you'll, and you'll do well at that. But I think another way to think about that is to use those things as sort of the entry ticket, but to focus on, you know, what can you do to make the business better? What can you do to change the process? How can you engage with the people around you to understand why you're doing that task you're doing and what could add more value to the success of the company? And I think that particularly in this day and age when more and more finances being looked at to add value and bring leadership to the business, if you have that mindset of how can I make the business better and the business, you know, the intellectual curiosity to understand the business, build relationships with people around you and add value, you can take those skill sets and that task you're doing and you can create a lot more of it. So let's find out about your arrival at Advanced Energy. Were you appointed the CFO from the start, or did you come in and, and climb the ranks? No, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, be named the CFO. I've actually just am approaching my 90-day mark here, so I've been the CFO at Advanced Energy since uh, the beginning of May. Um, and it's been an exciting time uh, for me to come in and, and learn about the company. I think my experience... Uh, in sort of being in the high-tech industry uh, over my whole career and with an equipment company for the last decade has really helped me to uh, be in a position that I think I can add some value to to the company here. Okay, 90 days in. This is just a a great uh, opportunity for us to sort of understand your mindset at this place in time. What are you thinking? What is the type of role you'd like to create for yourself here? 
Yeah, you know, um, when you take a look at, at the role, how I view the CFO role is it should be a role that is more than just the person that um, in, ensures that compliance is done, you're meeting, you're meeting your fiduciary responsibilities, um, and you have a good control environment. I've always felt that the CFO role can add strategic value to the company. And when I joined Advanced Energy, one of the things that attracted me to the company was that I believe it has all the ingredients to, uh, to drive profitable growth. You know, the company has grown a lot in the last four years or so, but it's kind of at an inflection point where it's striving to go from six or seven hundred million dollars to over a billion dollars. And in order to do that, you need to change. You, you need to uh, be able to scale the company uh, and to put the processes in place that will allow it to, to continue to grow over time. And so I think there's a tremendous opportunity to p- be part of the team that can strategically drive that growth implement the scalable processes that I think are, are needed and that will facilitate the growth and to develop a very capable organization that can help the company to operate at that next level. Could you share with us, what are the, uh, it, this would help us understand better the nature of this business, I suppose, but what, what are the key metrics now that you're, you're, you're paying close attention to these first 90 days? Well, of course, I'm, I'm still learning the business, but, but clearly uh, Advanced Energy has a best-in-class financial model today. We have gross margins that are over 50% and operating margins that are over 30%. Uh, some would say that um, you know, there's not a lot of upside, that maybe our earnings have peaked from a model perspective. Uh, my view is what we need to demonstrate externally is the ability to grow earnings. And the biggest opportunity we have for that is going to be to grow the top line, both organically and inorganically. We also find ourselves in a, in a cyclical industry uh, as an equipment or subsystem provider to equipment manufacturers. We are going to have digestion periods in our markets, and we're currently at the beginning of one of those that will probably last a couple of quarters. And so one of the important things for me is to understand and track the revenue dynamics you know, what are the demand dynamics that are happening? How are we converting that to revenue? And more importantly, how are we looking out over time so we can see these inflection points in the market to both be prepared as, you know, things might soften a little bit in the interim, but also be able to uh, capture opportunities as the market begins to uh, to recover in the next quarter or two. Now, I know you're, you're uh, really just getting your arms around everything there, but I'm wondering if there are were you surprised by certain data pools that you found there, certain certain visibility that uh, perhaps you hadn't experienced at other companies? I don't know. Uh, is there is there some way of uh, that where you enjoy visibility into the business that perhaps uh, you hadn't uh, enjoyed before? And by that I mean, you know, every company uses technologies a little differently, and. Uh, yeah, I might I might answer that a little bit differently. Um, I think when you come to a company that's enjoyed rapid growth over the last several years, the business processes may not have always kept up with that with that growth. And I guess coming to to AE, one of the things I observed is that uh, you know some of the, our financial reporting and fundamental tools just have not kept up with the growth of the business. And and fortunately, um, I've been able to work environments where 
where we had developed those tools and they became real enablers to the business. And frankly, um, right now at AE, we, we desperately need the tools and financial processes that will allow the company to scale. And I'm fortunate because there's a good team in place. Uh, there's some, been some good progress to lay some of the foundational elements in place. But not having some of these tools is really impeding our ability to add value that's needed and wanted in the company because we spend a disproportionate amount of our time just getting the data uh, together. And so I think there's a real opportunity as we get some of these foundational tools in place uh, that we can really elevate the performance, not just of our function, but also of the company. Uh, I also think that, uh, you know, as companies grow, there's always an opportunity to enable, I'll say, a cohesive team um, that can take, you know, the contribution of, of a lot of individuals and deliver a higher performance by, you know, working closely together as a function but more importantly, partnering closely with the business so that we're working on the right things that is going to allow the business to uh, to be successful. Okay. I, I would imagine that's a key area where you'll be applying your leadership to lead the team. I mean, you have to help people understand this sort of broader visibility that's now achievable, uh, the technologies they need to identify that can, can make it happen, and uh, they have to open the the team's minds to uh, sort of the broader role that needs to finance needs to play now. Am I, am I right about that? Or how do you view the world? No, I think that's right. You know, uh, the finance function isn't necessarily the decision function in a company, right? That's usually left to the CEO or to the operating line management. But the finance function, I think, is uniquely positioned to influence and help improve the quality of those decisions because it gets the opportunity to play across and have visibility into the entire operation. Um, it's not you know, the marketing role and it's not the sales role or the engineering role, which have very defined responsibilities. Finance tends to play and have visibility across all of the company, probably only um, second to a general manager role. And so there's a chance to, in that role, I use the words, you know, operate in the white space, look where gaps are, look where opportunities are, see where, where the business may not be operating as efficiently as it can be, and then be able to bring our background, as, which is typically analytical in nature with decision type tools, to then influence decisions that can help to close those gaps to identify and pursue opportunities where um, where you can improve the performance of the company. And I think if you have that mindset, then you already have the toolkit um, to have, to have an, an outsized influence on the success of the business. The other element of that, of course, is you have to do it collaboratively. You have to be willing to engage with the company, to learn the business, to partner and build relationships in a collaborative way, uh, and to build your credibility by you know, bringing useful insight um, to the business and working in a way to influence um, those around you to a successful outcome. We want to ask uh, our signature question, which is uh, what we call a finance strategic moment, uh, aha moment in, in uh, some people's uh, minds. Uh, and I'm sure you've had quite a few of these along the way during your finance career. Uh, but what we're looking for is a moment of strategic insight that you experienced and led you 
to either identify a risk, a new opportunity, and perhaps point the organization in a new or different direction. Does anything come to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? Yeah, I can think of several, but I think one of the, the most poignant and biggest ones for me was, you know, when when our organization and I realized that we could have a dramatic influence on the business results of the company, and particularly in one of my previous companies in improving gross margins holistically across the company. You know, we had identified gross margin as one of the largest levers that we had to improve the value of the company, but despite numerous efforts, the company had just not made a lot of progress there. And the CEO concluded that we needed kind of an executive leadership effort that was holistic to own this initiative and drive results. And I guess everyone else kind of stepped back and left finance sort of standing forward. Um, and so we were assigned to drive this project across the company. Um, and now in the end, it made a lot of sense. You know, we understood the drivers. We were really good at working cross-functionally. We had identified the right metrics to track improvements. So we were well positioned actually to lead this effort, but it wouldn't have been your natural first choice, I think, in, in many cases. You know, a lot of people think if you're going to improve gross margin, that's sort of manufacturing's job. Um, but, but we always felt that that gross margin could be impacted by every person in the company, and it took a holistic effort to make a difference. And so what we did is we took a look to understand the drivers holistically um, across the company. We put in place cross-functional teams with clear objectives to drive improvement uh, in each of those areas. Um, and as we dug through the drivers, again, we found out that there was opportunities in every function. It started with marketing, defining the right product, reassessing value and pricing, looking at channels and discounts. So we worked with the marketing function across those types of activities. We um, felt that, you know, if you looked at our product set, the, the greatest uh, item in our cost was materials. And Materials largely get designed in when a product is designed, and so we wanted to work with engineering uh, to put certain hurdle rates and milestones in place to focus on designing products um, that did not add cost that customers weren't willing to pay for. Um, we looked, of course, at our manufacturing efficiency, our procurement processes, our logistics, quality. Uh, we did a gap analysis for those things, and we put plans in place. Part of these plans even included looking inorganically, and we ended up acquiring one of our overseas distributors where we felt that we weren't actually getting the value in the marketplace that we could get by having the products in-house. This not only improved our gross margins, but gave us a much better ability to focus resources on priorities and drive both top-line growth and non-price value into the market. So, you know, in the end, this was a, a multi-year effort. Um, we got the entire company involved. We put in place sort of uh, communication programs, incentive uh, programs. We recognized both individual and teams for the work they did. And over the course of three years, we improved gross margins by over 1,000 basis points and had a tremendous impact on the value of the company. And, and I guess for me, uh, the realization that could finance could play that kind of a role up front and then to see it um, you know, play out uh, I think just demonstrates that that finance can play a, a very high value added role in companies um, if we have the mindset and the willingness uh, to to play that role. 
Thought Leader listeners, when we come back, we'll be entering the mentoring round with CFO Paul Oldham, and I'll ask him how he made that initial connection with his mentor, Rick Hill. After these words from our sponsor. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. We're going to uh, jump to our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to inspire and mentoring future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? And I know you're you're really just sinking your teeth into a new role there. So uh, uh, we might be putting you on the spot here. But what's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, I think there are a lot of things. I mean, clearly, um, we have decision tools and data tools and analytics um, that we had just haven't had in the past. Um, and so certainly that creates opportunities for us to apply some of the skill set we have. But I also think that, you know, we have been undergoing a change for some time. And now more than ever, companies are looking for finance um, organizations and individuals who can contribute at a higher level. Um, who are interested in the business, who are willing to apply their knowledge to help influence decisions and to build relationships across across the organizations they support. And to me, that's, that's, that's what's fun, and that's uh, where a lot of value can be added and you can make a big difference. And I see an appetite for that now more than ever. When you stepped into a CFO role for the first time, so this would be going back a ways, what do you wish someone had told you at that, at that point in your career, just as you stepped in that CFO office for the first time? What, what do you wish, what's that piece of advice you wish you had? Well, you know, I think the CFO role is, is very broad, and uh, it covers a lot, a lot of, of basis and a lot of elements. And I think... Uh, when you're sort of thrown into that to that role, you have to pick your battles. You have to pick the things where you can add the most value. And to some degree, that's a matter of assessing risk because you have to ensure that the basics are done and done well. Um, but, but once those are in place, looking uh, at where you can add the most value and where you spend your time, I think, is, is really critical, particularly because of the breadth of the role. And it, 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 as a CFO, you end up being a little bit of a, um, um, you know, you have a little bit of information a lot, about a lot of things and you may not be expert at any of them. And so putting a strong team around you that can bring that expertise, I think is, uh, is really important. And I think, you know, getting some advice around that and then being able to, to drive that is certainly uh, something that, that would have helped me and, and has helped me as, as I've grown my career. Do you have a personal habit 
or part of your routine that you believe is in some way contributed to your professional success? Yeah, I think for me, um, as I thought about this, I think the ability to to listen, uh, the ability to engage with other people and to communicate clearly um, in a way that distills sort of the business drivers down to a common language has been really important. You know, I think a lot of times because of our analytical nature, finance professionals can tend to find themselves sitting behind their desk a lot. And I think one thing that's helped me is is one, my interest, but just a desire every day to get up from my desk and and walk around, talk to the operating managers that are in the real office, interact with my team, uh, see what's going on. You know, those hallway conversations, um, those drop-by meetings help to drive camaraderie, they drive alignment, you get information you wouldn't otherwise had, and people see you as being involved and engaged in the business. And and I think uh, that's one of the habits, just being uh, able to to manage by walking around to sort of uh, grab a phrase from, from Hewlett-Packard has actually added a lot of value to my career because of the relationships I've been able to build and the things I've been able to learn about the business just by getting out from behind my desk. You know, part of your uh, story that you shared near the start of the uh, podcast, uh, you mentioned how... Uh, you had a mentor or someone anyway who influenced you. I forgive me, I forget his first name, but Hill. Um, yep, Rick Hill. And how did you perhaps get on the radar of the likes of a, an individual like like Hill at that stage of your career? You're still rather junior, am I right, or would you describe it differently? Yeah, as, as I said, I think it's uh, it's a couple of things, and one of them is just sort of being, you know, in the right place at the right time. At the time, I was a uh, I was a product line controller, um, one of, of many uh, who worked for the CFO uh, at, at the time or the, the kind of the division controller of the, of the group uh, when Rick Hill was managing that group. And they had decided to make change, and, uh, and, and they ended up approaching me about change. And as I look back on that, I think that some of the things I've talked about in terms of how I think about the business in terms of uh, not just kind of providing the numbers, but trying to actively understand the business and be a partner uh, and look for ways to provide insight and analysis, you know, caught his eye. I think that's the type of person that he was looking for as a finance partner. And frankly, he took a chance on me as somebody who was maybe a little less seasoned in my career, um, but but that was exhibiting some of the things that he was trying to drive in the organization. And so I got a chance to work for him. And, of course, he is a, uh, a very seasoned uh, manager, very demanding in many ways, but also very fair. And so I got a chance to work with him. And, and as I mentioned, it was an interesting uh, challenge and, and opportunity to um, work with then a team of people who had just been my peers who are now reporting to me. And what I tried to focus on is, to, is really respecting their experience and knowledge and not sort of trying to assume, you know, um, that I had some knowledge or expertise that they didn't simply because of uh, my position. And the result of that is I think we were able to work together well. We were able to change direction and focus on a few things. We were able to make a lot of process improvements in how we, how we did things within the, within the organization. But I was able to engage that, that team to get it done. Okay. Is there a book you'd recommend today uh, to aspiring finance leaders? 
You know, it's a good question because there's so many good books out there that I've read over time about how to run your business or how to operate as a manager. But uh, but I guess there's been a couple of books that I've ran across over the last two, two, you know a couple of three years that uh, that I think um, capture some of the things that have helped me to be successful. And 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 one of them is a, is a business book. It's called The Three Rules. It was written by a couple of uh, ex Deloitte consultants, Michael Rayner and and uh, Mumtaz Ahmed. And these guys basically analyzed um, over 25,000 companies over a 50-year period and identified a population of 300 or so companies that delivered exceptional performance over this time frame. And then they looked at what were the behavioral differences among those companies. And they did this both anecdotally and empirically. And most of the book actually is about all their empirical evidence. But if you focus on the key concepts, they boiled it down to three things that these exceptional companies did, three rules they followed. One was focus on better before cheaper. There always needs to be non-price value in the things that you do. You have to create value in the market if you want to sustain value. Second was revenue before cost. That's how you capture the value. Um, of course, you can't have revenue at any cost, um, but exceptional companies are able to grow revenues and capture that value and retain it. And the third rule is there are no other rules. And uh, what captured this for me was basically the concept that you have to know your business well enough to know how you create value as an organization and how you capture that value. And so many times that that's lost um, in all of the day-to-day things that you're doing. I'd say the second book, more on the management side, is one that's a little more recent. It's called The Vitality Imperative by Jim Matroni and Mickey Connolly. And early in my career, I took a I took a communication course that was put on by Mickey Connolly from Essentials Development, and it really focused on how do you improve your communication and listening skills and have not just open and honest, but actually authentic communications. And I found that that really helped me. And in this book, they compared a couple of leadership styles. One is the superior leader style, which is more of a traditional model where the, the leader is kind of the acknowledged expert or the experienced person. And and drives kind of a followership, um, but they're the focus. The second is what's known as the connected leader, where the leader is more about connecting people um, so that you can collectively understand challenges, inspire commitment, and coordinate contribution. Um, the connected leader focuses on things like you know being being real and being present, um, uh, having empathy, uh, having a common purpose and alignment, uh, having authenticity and building relationships and. And my experience as I read that book is that it really speaks to how you can build a high-performing uh, team that has, is much more enduring in the organization. And, and I've been fortunate to be associated with several teams who have those characteristics. And I look back on those and, and, and cherish uh, those experiences and, and look back at some of the results and feel very fortunate to have been part of that. So those are a couple of books that that I think um, – you know, are good reads for anybody aspiring to be an effective finance leader, and they combine both sort of business curiosity and ability to drive value with a management style that I think is effective and ultimately critical to to building, you know, long-term value uh, with your team and with the company you're working for. Okay. We're up to our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Well, I think it's very clear, you know, for for advanced energy, uh, it's about growth, both organic and inorganic. 
And, you know, my priorities are to focus on on enabling that growth to make sure that we have the right tools uh, and processes in place to deliver that. Some of that's external uh, work and thinking about the, the strategy. A lot of it's internal, focusing on making sure we have the processes and tools that will enable us to have a scalable organization and support a company that can operate in a larger, more complex model. And then finally, um, clearly, you know, it's very important to continue to develop, a, I'll say, a partner organization in finance that can enable good business decision and influence business results, because I think that's highly leverageable um, to the company being successful in the future. Paul Oldham, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Great. Thank you very much, Jack. leader listeners, whether you've already ascended into the ranks of finance leaders or have only just begun the journey, your professional narrative needs a reboot. Join our email list at cfothoughtleader.com and receive my latest email series, Finance and the Power of Narrative. It's time to mobilize the past to achieve your goals. Thank you for listening.